It is five o'clock somewhere, and you've tuned into season two, episode nine of BRC. For those of you who like to watch this episode, I highly recommend it. We're live in person on the Emerald Isle. You can view season two on our website, YouTube, and Spotify. Today in our Tales from the Still segment, I speak with lottery winner turned distillery owner Peter Lavery. Plus, I get a private tour of the newly opened Titanic Distillery at Thompson's Dry Dock in Belfast. Upon arriving to the Titanic Distillery, we took a few moments to do some browsing at their gift shop before meeting up with Peter for our interview. Not only did they have a fine selection of shirts and spirits, but on the far wall sits three barrels, which are set up to fill your own bottles. I have a feeling people will be lining up to pour their own once the alcohol starts running through the brand new stills. Now, as a Titanic fan, my favorite item on display was a beautiful model of the Titanic in the shop's window. Too bad that wasn't for sale. Up next, my chat with Peter Lavery. Stay with us. Today's Tales from the Still is brought to you by BWJamesJewelers.com. Show your love for bourbon everywhere you go. BourbonBarrelRings.com by B.W. James has some of the most unique bourbon barrel wedding bands, rings, and bracelets that you'll ever find. B.W. James has an exclusive offer for our audience. Use promo code BARRELROOM for $30 off your order of $199 or more. Peter, it is so lovely to meet you. How are you today? I'm great, Carrie, and thank you for coming. Thank you for having me. So we drove by here yesterday because I heard uh, once I got here that you just opened last week. And I said, I've been waiting for this distillery to open since I heard about it. Um, a couple of years ago, I heard about it uh, online somewhere. And I was very excited. I was a big Titanic fan. So, Well, it's been five and a half years in the making uh, between getting the lease of the building. And it's a heritage site. It's a monument site. And it made the planning applications much more difficult. And uh, was right thing to do to preserve the building as much as we possibly could and we achieved that without moving one item from 1907 so that's awesome we've actually built this whiskey distillery around all of the old history of the pump house but we class it as a floating distillery and when we do it at the brew tanks you're actually beneath water and uh, anybody up the minute who's come in and seen it I think they're amazed of the design, but the nature of what the building still it was in 1907. It looks great. It's fantastic. Thank the you. the stills are so beautiful and shiny, uh, and the the the, the safe, the, the spirit safe was so pretty. I'm like, I don't know how long it's going to stay this pretty once it starts being used. <laughs> well, hopefully, the distiller and, and his, his assistants will try and keep, keep it, it and preserve it, you know. But uh, our distiller, Damien, he's uh, he's more excited about this distillery than I am. I think he. He's going to be part of the history of bringing whiskey back to Belfast, and he's so excited, and he just can't wait till we turn on the stills. That's awesome. So usually when I start off a, a podcast interview, um, I ask what your whiskey journey was, or is. Um, so when you were a wee little lad, did you ever think, I'm going to one day build a distillery at the Titanic spot? Never did. And uh, I got into whiskey by default. And, How so? Uh, because... Uh, couple of people many, many years ago uh, were in Hong Kong looking at a World Cup of rugby and they were coming back to, to, back to Ireland and the plane was delayed by about seven, eight hours. Okay. And uh, so it was Irishmen do it in the pub in Japan airport and uh, they started one of the biggest parties and uh, and everybody broke into the song of O'Donnelly Boy. Oh, nice. And Everybody's amazed, but in the middle of Hong Kong, everybody was singing Danny Boy, and the two fellows come back to Ireland and they registered the name Danny Boy Irish Whiskey. Nice. And 
they tried to make a go of it at the time was he just wasn't as sexy as it is today, mm-hmm. 20, 23, 24 years ago. Yeah. And they just had brick walls and they asked me to invest in it. And then uh, we looked at it and realized what was going to need a lot more money put into it. And as only one person we put the money in, it would be myself with two sleeping partners. And I said, no thanks. And they came back about three months later uh, because it was actually put them under financial strain. And they actually would buy the brand off them. Uh-huh. And through my madness, I bought it. And uh, I didn't think the journey would take so long to do, but uh, here you are. But I launched Dolly Boy Whiskey in, the, in New York and Boston around, 19, around the year, maybe the year 2000. And uh, that's where the journey started. Very cool. So I was reading up on you yesterday, and I hear you won the lottery. And you used to be a bus driver. I was a bus driver in Belfast for 11 years. That's and, fantastic. Uh, I was a bus driver in Belfast for 11 years. And uh, on the 18th of the 5th, or the way around, you go the 5th to the 18th, which is next, the end of next week, yeah. or the end of two weeks' time. It'll be 27 years since that lucky day happened. And I had the right ticket, not the bus ticket. I had the six one numbers, and uh, were they numbers you picked, or did they were they automatic? They're numbers? all birthdays and things they got there, but uh, it's everybody plays the lottery to try and change their life, but you never think it's going to happen to you. But right. uh, the night in particular, I played it. There was thirty three and a half million people in England played it, wow. and I was the one with six. It's unbelievable. That is unbelievable. Were you like in complete disbelief when you saw that you had the six numbers? It's just, you, you, you never believe it's going to happen, but when it does happen, it's a, I think I never slept for a month because, um, <laughs> how do you, how do you even know who to call? Oh my gosh, I won. What do you do? What do you, you go back to the store where you bought it or? No, we don't go to the store. You had to fail out. It was a funny story. I had, uh, Nathan question that won it was in the bar, the bus drivers club having a few drinks. Nice. What, what did you do after you finished the shift? And, um, and I got a phone call to say I'd won it and I didn't believe it. And I kept drinking. So it was the next morning before. The penny dropped, or the cent dropped, and uh, went downstairs and got an old ticket and there were the six numbers across the lane. You know, so it was unbelievable. So how long did it take from when you won to when they gave you your money? Well, the, the winning ticket was Saturday night and Monday lunchtime. Wow. I had the £10 million in my bank account. That's which crazy. is unbelievable. And on the Tuesday or the Wednesday of the same week, it was the middle of St. Lucia. I was just got out of city, had to get out of town. It was a big, big news twenty seven years ago, twenty and uh had to get out of town and uh, so you think of it on Sunday morning I was trading the bus around in Belfast and seventy two hours later landing in a top resort in St. Lucia and <laughs> was a was it a dream or was it you go to sleep, you wake it up, it's not a dream. It's just hard to believe and Did you give them uh, a two week notice or you just said, Nope, sorry guys, I'm out? I said, I asked him for a bank holiday for Monday and said on your on the forum, but you have to ask for a forum, why do you want the day off? And I wrote personal reasons and one day only. So when I got back into work that day, the news had got all around the place when I'd won the money. And I said to the inspector, you must realize I'm not coming back. <laughs> That's crazy. So you went from being a bus driver to now owning a distillery. And 20 years passed, and you've been in this process for this one, what, five years? Five and a half years. Five and a half years. I was also reading yesterday that you had something to do with the jail. 
as the was my was my application but I didn't get the plan prison for the jail and uh, obviously had a few brick walls in it. There was plenty Quite a few. plenty of brick walls in the jail, as you know. And uh, thick too. And they're thick and uh, and it didn't work out with the investors yet with me and uh, I sold my shares of the criminal jail. Never believing that the building we're in today was available, that he knows available. I'm an East Belfast man and three months later I was talking about getting this building here. At that stage, I had signed a two-year break, but I would not build a whiskey study for two years, and they thought that they had been built before me, which I also thought too. And one thing led the other, but I've opened the doors before from a new deal, which is just unbelievable. It's a fairy tale. It's and what I love about it is both of both of the locations are super iconic, and they're very historic buildings. And now they're going to be made into historic whiskies, and I think that's fascinating. It's unbelievable when you think that the. Uh, the Taoiseach of Ireland was a prisoner in criminal jail. And you think of uh, our current governments. We had Mark McGuinness, who was the Deputy First Minister of Northern Ireland. You had, you had David Irving. You had all the top people. So the people who were in prison now had run in the country. It, it's just like if somebody had told you that 20 years ago, they thought you were crazy, you know. But uh, but it's, it's all for good. And at least the jail's not there. It's going to be a, it's a very successful visitor attraction. Sea wing, which shows you the hanging cell and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. There, so when a wing does open up, I see, I see it as a, an advantage to us having it here because um, there's no way about competition, they're two different types of values, absolutely. Yeah, and I believe we will help and build bonds. Which I'm still very good friends. That did one of the owners of America in Belfast last week, he came and seen the distillery. I think his eyes nearly dropped out of his head, you know. and the chief executive was going to come and see it on Saturday. So I can see it becoming a very close working relationship with each other because we can help each other, we complement yeah. each other. And uh, as you know, in Scotland, there's hundreds and hundreds of stories and people go and all they do is travel and that's, visit. Whiskey that's distilleries. what I did. <laughs> but so it'd be nice to bring four or five small distilleries in Belfast, Northern Ireland, and then Republic of Ireland. There's no reason why we cannot create the biggest whiskey trail of Ireland. Yeah. That'd be great. Um, I was, yeah, when I first, in 2015, I did a, a scotch tour of, Scot of Scotland, and that's all I did was go from distillery to distillery on a tour bus, and it was fantastic. And then um, I came back here in October, and we shot all the way from Dingle up to here at all these different distilleries, and then now I'm creating a, uh, a tourist uh, trip for about 20 people, and we're going to recreate it. And now I get to add this destination to that, which is great. So hopefully in October, might be April, depends. Uh, but we'll be back here with 20 people. Well, I hope you do come back. Um, it'll be fully in swing, and the smell of whiskey be flying through the building. And um, more importantly, make sure you put them on the signature tour and bring them right down to the pumps. Oh, yeah. And you'll be able to get a, a sixth tour with the, with the distiller himself. And he'll have a treat for you for a wee drink underneath water, you know. Nice, that's so cool. So, um, and the pumps, they, they could still work, right? They're all, they're not... It wouldn't be too hard to get them up and running again. We've got smaller pumps at the minute because the only water that comes into the dock at the minute is real water because the, the, the dock itself is nice sealed. The, the gate was starting to corrode and they had to protect it or it would have been gone. So it also makes it a safer, safer, safer venue. So we can bring tourists down with confidence, but they're not going to turn around. Yeah. And um, 
and we're doing tours of the dock at the minute, which are going very, very well also. Yeah. So what do you? Th what is your five-year plan with the distillery? Retire. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 62, coming, getting no younger, and uh, I just wanted to become a real destination. We've got Titanic on our doorstep. They're destined to get 800,000 visitors this year. Wow. And if I get 20% of our visitors, we're over capacity. We yeah. can't take them. Our maximum visitors is about 4,000 people a week. That's our maximum max, or 3,000 people a week, which is 150,000. So you only see the growth in our own market here is uh, nighttime corporate. And uh, hopefully we can get ourselves that within a short, a short space of time. And right now you have... Um a whiskey, a gin, and a vodka. And we're going to have a pachin also. Oh, a pachin. That's awesome. And now I tried your um, your whiskey the other night at the hotel. And uh, it, it was it had a very distinct and unique kind of peat flavor. But it also I felt like it was, I felt salt watery. Is, are you guys making it near the ocean? No, it's not near the ocean. But it's, there's, you hit the nail on the head. There is 10% peat in it. Mm -hmm. There's also 3% sherry. Okay. And then there's fifteen percent for a, a blend of whiskey. There's twenty eight percent malt content. And why did we go for a peated whiskey? Because Belfast was known for the peatiness and the smokiness of the city. You had all the big industries. You had the aircraft factory. You had the shipyard. You had the rope works. You had all the all the different types of industry. And then when people at home their houses that made up their days work, they went home to the coal fire. Nice. So people lived, but. I think if there's enough peat in it, and I enjoy it. I, I like, I don't drink no more myself personally, but I love the real peatiness of whiskey. But it's not everybody's palate. But I think a ten percent, and then the sherry gives it a bit of sweetness back into it. But we've done well, and people are really embraced it. So you don't drink anymore? Does that mean you haven't even tasted your own stuff? Well, as the ones, well, me and the art director Richard, we went down to distillery down south who made the blend for our particular blend and unfortunately the man rest in peace Brian Watt is now dead and he was a gentleman and I probably tasted 30 whiskies that day wow. and uh, my partner said to me I hope the hell else you know on the drink again. <laughs> so on your let's go with your lottery journey when you started your life anew obviously the first thing you did was go on vacation then what did you do when you came back did you say what am I going to do with my money? What am I going to invest in? What am I going to, how did you, I mean, how did you go from on vacation to deciding that a whiskey distillery would be your project? I thought the first thing I've done, I went back after holidays and I bought a new home down in Craig of Ads, which is about six miles outside Belfast, where I never had the ability to buy something like that. So, something would be able to go and just buy there and then, where something I wanted to do, my pause as a bus driver. You had to see it for it, so I was a strange, strange feeling. But um, then about two, three months later, start buying a few houses. I worked in the building game before. I wanted to be a bus driver and I'm a plumber by trade, and um, start buying bits of piece of property. And the first thing that after six months was bought an old nurse's home oh, in wow. the grounds of a city hospital, Belfast, and transformed it into eighty-eight apartments. Oh, nice. Yeah. So it was me, at, a, at that stage I've been talking to people who are new and got people who have expertise and architects and structural engineers and once we got the contract ready we put out the tender and done it. But so 
six months earlier, you got on me, I got on this burn road, you got on my bus, I was taking 50 pants of you for the fur, and six months later, I building 88 apartments, so probably a contract worth the name million pounds. That's crazy. It is crazy. It's crazy. And here's another question. I've always wondered, when somebody all of a sudden strikes it rich, did people come out from like childhood that said, hey, how you doing? I, I need a little money, Peter. Did you get any of those kind of people? Well, in the first few weeks when I came back to Belfast, the post office came to me and there's, they said, the manager, the head man from Belfast came and said, we've got a problem here. We have 9,500 letters. What? What do you want me to do to them? I, oh told them I said, return the sender. Oh my God. Because 8,000. Nearly 9,000 letters. I've had some letters, even today, you still get people and some of the quests of people looking money. And, and, and people do things like that, they're probably in desperation also, which is... Did you, you even to, know these 8,000 people? Never knew one of them. But um, didn't read the letters. You, you wanted to tell you, do not do A, don't do A, B and C, because you put your head around the band by yeah. seeing somebody this, that and the other thing. You know? So i done a lot of charity work before I won the money and I created a trust called the Rita Charge Trust, which was after my mother and father. Okay. And through that trust, I put around 1.5 million foot give to different communities. Even the, where I came from in Belfast, I put a hundred thousand pound towards the community centre to make nice. sure it happened. And I've probably raised the cuts of another half a million pound through maturity work. So, uh, That's great. You can do so much, but you can only do so much. And as long as I'm happy enough to know what I'm doing, I'll never keep everybody happy. And if I give somebody a charity of £1,000, I think you're miserable, you give them £2,000, you have to be happy within yourself and don't worry what other people think. Yeah, that's cool. Okay, let's get back to the distillery here. So when we came in, we saw the stills, we saw there was this big yellow beam across the top. Um, I heard it was still functional until you had to put more beams and how does that? It's still functional at this point in time, but it has little, doesn't have the full length of the building no, no longer. But we got the crane recertified, and that crane lifted every bit of steel, brew tanks, rice tun, and stills into the building. Wow. Now, the man who's building our distillery is a French man, and he goes, Peter, what about a crane? I says, well, there's a crane here. He says, will you give me the controls of the crane? I says, certainly, Fred. But says, Peter, where's the boat control for the crane? I said, Fred, you are, goes with two wheels, one for going across <laughs> and one for going down. I'm not telling you what he said back to me in English, you know, but uh, you just didn't tell me that, Peter, you know, but it worked and it done the business. So it's hard to believe that the crane sitting there for 100 and 114 years is still in working order and still working order. It still has about a six foot span, but we can still lift stuff from the top right down into the well if we need to. That's great. And it's unbelievable. It is. It's unbelievable. Right now, everything is going to be uh, distilled right in, in here, yes. over here. And then where are you guys going to send your stuff to mature? We've got two places at the minute for mature. We've got a place in Dundalk, because okay. obviously the site's too small and to mature here. And they have another place to outside Coleraine. So we're using both facilities. We will use both facilities. And uh, so every week, twice a week, we'll take this all the new liquid you fill from distillery into ABCs and move it to either site to much for masteries. And are you going to have tours of those locations too or no? Well, well, it depends. Obviously, they're big working sites and you know, it's not as easy sometimes to bring people in, but if people do buy into the, we've, we've actually created the 401 Club. You heard of the no, 401 Club? 
Well, the 401 Club is we're going to sell off 401 barrels whiskey a year, a yeah. wide 401. Titanic ship number of uh, was 401. That was the number the 400 okay. first ship they built. Okay. And they didn't name ships in Belfast then because men or some men could had, could, couldn't read. So always numbered ship. That's why ships are always numbered. So we've ever made a part for any ship to put the number of the ship on the part. That's, that's how they got delivered to the crack part of the yard. That's cool. So we're creating a 401 club and people have bought for this year. People want to buy for the next four to five years. And uh, so we will do like twice a year maybe to do nights where we'll bring them down by bus loads and let them go in and see their whiskey open with their, their bottle opened up and let them taste it. That's like that. awesome. Yes, yes. And how long, do they get to pick how long the maturation is or, and they can come back and well, decide the, it's good or? Well, the deal what we have done is what we'll pay for the first four years of maturation, so we'll as part and parcel of the the, the price, mm -hmm. and anybody wants to do it after that, then they just pay for the for rental space. For, yes, for rental space. That's awesome. That's so cool. So when this opened last Friday, what, did you guys have like the big a big party, and did you have the press come? We had the press there on the what what a press day before it, Thursday before it. We had loggers and everybody else in it, and then on the Friday we had. Our own PR company are taking images of people coming, the first two visitors coming through the door. And I think it was when the first the first walked through the door, I think it was shot actually, and she went into shock thinking, this is happening. And I couldn't really get the buzz, but shocked and delighted. But uh, I didn't get the view out of it, you know, but I think I'll, I'll wait until the first bird comes out of it. Yeah. And but even walking through today again, this is four days later, I tell you it, 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 the feeling, the buzz and the atmosphere. So it's the rest of my directors myself, I think we've pulled off the news attracts in Belfast and if it's the only way to go up the last four days, it should be become part and parcel of the, the tourist trail, which is more important. Yeah. Yeah, I love that because you know, it's so when we did our thing here, we came all the way up and there was like one or two distilleries out on the West Coast that I really wanted to go to. But I'm like, there's nothing else on the way there. Like, so we skipped it. And so I think it's good to have more near each other for the for the visitors because they're going to want to go and taste everybody's it stuff. And if people want to come, even tourist ships come in and only have maybe cruise ships come in. They've only got seven, eight hours. If they go to, down to the north coast, they could do boys mills or maybe get a quick one of Jan's quality, but their day is over. Yeah. Where if I want to come here to my distillery or our distillery and Titanic Belfast and a bit of shopping in Belfast, they plenty of time to do also. Yeah. Hopefully it'll bring Belfast into your busier and hold hold some more tourists and more importantly, maybe people instead of coming to Belfast for one day, come for two days and three days. That's awesome. It's great. Um, and then for the spirits, what what kind of spirits are you guys going to be going? Is it just going to be those three expressions? Or are you going to have different whiskeys, different gins? We've left that up to the distiller. Okay. And obviously he's working around. And I think for me, I'm not 100% art, uh, not 100% expert on it. And Damien is. And we've given him the freedom. Obviously he'll come and he'll work and do something and come and show us it. And, Hopefully we buy into it, but 
I'm under no illusion he will come up with some good, bright ideas and hopefully something special and something that will be representative to our distillery. That's great. Peter, thank you so much. This has been a All pleasure right, to meet thank, you. Thank you. After my interview with Peter, my cameraman and I were given an in-depth tour of the distillery. Our tour guide started the tour in the lobby by showing us these huge keel blocks that were placed under ships while in the dry dock. We then moved on to the introductory area where he told us what a dry dock was and how it was used. He explained that the giant vessels could enter the dry dock to have their hulls clean and repair any damage they might find. In addition, this is where the ships could be fitted for the propellers. He went on to tell us how Thompson's dry dock was designed to be the world's biggest dry dock for the world's biggest ships. However, by the time the construction of the dry dock was complete, the ships were actually bigger than the dock, and the front end of the ship rose out above the dock wall. As he continued, he showed us the various stages of where the boats were made and what pieces were fitted where by showing us a huge rendering of the entire area. From there, he took us into what he called mission control where he explained how coal was scarce at the time, so they needed another way to power the operation. All the working machines that made the dry dock work, the, the capstans, the thousand-ton steel gate, it was the first in its kind in the world to be able to be retracted. The caisson gate uh, was made from the same steel and rivets as Titanic herself. It weighed a thousand tons. It's a vessel in its own right. Normally it would be floated out and then put back in and sunk to form the gate to close the dock off. But this one was able to be retracted via the means of hydraulic pressure, and it was done with this device, the hydraulic accumulator. The huge water reservoir above you, on this side, would feed water via gravity down into these compressor pumps. They would then pump water into the hydraulic accumulator, rising up this huge 78-ton block. Anytime they wanted to utilize the power of the water, they would release the block and by the means of gravity, it would force the water out through tight valves and pipes, creating water pressure. They would turn the capstans to winch ships into the dock, open the penstock valves to flood the dock, close the gate, withdraw the gate, and also to drain the dock, all by means of water power. Imagine it like a giant syringe. You squirt water out of a syringe, comes out at great pressure. That's exactly what this is like. They were using green energy here before even green, ener green energy was a term. So if you'd like to follow me this way, and here you can see where old meets new. This is our brand new distillery nestled in amongst the heritage artifacts of a bygone age. The yellow cream you see above you, the seven ton Andrew, Andrew Barclay and Sons from Kilmarnock in Scotland. That crane was installed in 1911, purely to do one job, to install the Gwyn's company pumps at the bottom of the pump well, which we'll see in one moment. It stopped finishing and work at that stage. That crane has seen more work in the last six months than it ever did in the last 112 years, because it lifted all of the steam and all of the vessels into place that created our new distillery. The distillery itself is on a floating mezzanine floor. It might be the first floating distillery in the world, we're still waiting on confirmation of that. But it's supported on 50 tons of steam beams, and when all vessels are full, it comes to a total value of 250 tons. As we entered the stillhouse, we were shown three pumps that are still on the ground floor today. 
Each of them operated at 850 horsepower, but they only ever used two at a time. One of them was always kept in reserve as a backup. These powerful machines could clear the dock of 23 million gallons of water in 100 minutes. That's the equivalent of four Olympic-sized swimming pools every minute. And if you want to put that in terms of whiskey, it's about 150 million bottles of Titanic whiskey. After taking a good look at the pumps, we moved to the control desk that was installed in 1957. ...to generate electricity to run everything. In 1957, it was modernized and began automation. Uh, at that point, they converted to electric. The Alexandra pump house switched over to become the substation for the electrics in this building. A lot of the actual pumps were fitted with electrical motors, so men no longer had to manually turn the valves, the motors did it for them. These small pumps used to prime the main company Gwyn's pumps. You couldn't run the Gwyn's pumps on water to start because they'd, they'd seize and run dry because of the volumes of water they need. So these little pumps would prime them, kind of like a two-stroke engine. We have to put a little bit of fuel into the bubble first and then you pull the cord and it starts. But this device, the control desk, it's Dockmaster's control desk, was put in place to automate things. We love to nickname everything in Belfast, so this is called the piano. I love it, it's, it's like a piece out of a 1957 uh, sci-fi movie. I just keep waiting for the robot to come out saying, exterminate. Yeah. <laughs> you can just imagine it, but you can see here, Thompson Dock was controlled and Alexandra Dock was controlled by Thompson Pump House. So as I said, the distillery was built in mind with the uh, heritage items being preserved. So we had to make compromises on space uh, and we actually ended up having to put some items outside of the distillery, which would normally be inside. Uh, and so there's a whole length of pipe that run back and forth through the building to maintain that. But we were able to build a, a cooling tower there where the old chimney sat with retrospective planning uh, and that way we had a little bit more room but it also meant that we could create this floating mezzanine to preserve the artifacts inside the building. We're trying to honour the great tradition of craft and engineering here and with that we're going to make great whisky. Once again pertaining to old meets new, Damien our head distiller just to show you how much the technology has, has moved on, he can control 135 separate data points all on his mobile phone. Wow. He doesn't even have to be in the building. Not that he wouldn't be. He's a hardworking guy. So we're using the best of the best. We're celebrating hard work and, and hard graft. We'll be using four size uh, pot stills. These uh, are renowned as the best stills in the world. Forsyth has been making stills since 1890. Um, we're very lucky to have three of them in place. They're copper pot stills and they're all handmade in the old tradition. If you look very closely, you can see what they call the turtle shell patterning. And you can maybe see individual hammer marks on the actual stills themselves. Uh, it can be very hard to discern the hammer marks under certain light because they make them such a smooth finish. Uh, it really takes a keen eye to notice it. So in Scotland, they like to double distill their whiskey. Here in Ireland, we like to triple distill. I like to think of it as an honouring to the goddess, but to be truthful, it's because we believe it makes a much clearer, cleaner, lighter spirit. 
it also can impact it with a lot more sort of fruity type flavours uh, makes it real crisp so hence why we have three stills after leaving the stillhouse, we met up with our second guide, who took us on the exterior tour of the dry dock. Uh, we've run 900 ships uh, docked here between 1911 and 2001. Uh, operation. Absolutely huge space. So this is called the caisson, which uh, is a watertight gate which seals the dock. And as you can see, it's got two different positions. This is the inner position, uh, and you can see where the permanent sea defence wall now is, is the outer position. So with the case on in the inner position, uh, the dock is 850 foot long. Uh, we floated further back to the outer position, making it uh, 887 and a half feet long. So it increases the length by 37 and a half feet. Uh, it doesn't sound like much, but this is crucial um, for the Olympic class liners because Titanic measured 882 uh, and a half feet long. So without that outer position, Titanic wouldn't have fitted into this dock. Finally, it was time to try their products. We started with the vodka, which was made with sugar beets. And as far as I know, I've never had a vodka that was made with sugar beets. That's really nice. Mm. So, like that's a vodka I can just drink by itself. I must say, I was pretty impressed to say the least. After the vodka, it was on to the whiskey. The makeup of this dram is quite unique. It's made up of 72% grain whiskey, 3% malt from ex-sherry casks, 10% triple distilled peated malt, and 15% is double distilled malt in ex-bourbon casks. I for one appreciated that the peat wasn't too overpowering, which made it a very approachable dram. As we finished the tasting, I noticed the company logo included two sets of numbers. On one side, the date 1911, for the year Thompson's docks opened, and on the other was the number 401, the Titanic ship number. The last thing I noticed about the logo was that the T and the D for Titanic Distillery were made to look like a boat. Pretty clever. For more information about Titanic Distillers or to see the various different tours they offer, visit BarrelRoomChronicles.com for today's show notes. That does it for today's show. To read notes on this episode or learn more about our guests, please visit BarrelRoomChronicles.com. Want to interact with the show or have questions for our guests? then ask them on our socials or send us an email through our website. Or better yet, leave us a voicemail on our website and your recording might be played in our new Speakeasy segment. If you like what you heard, please rate and subscribe to the podcast. If you really liked it and you want to show your support, buy us a whiskey through our Kofi site at ko-fi.com slash BRC or become an exclusive member of the Barrel Room Parlor where you'll get exclusive content not seen anywhere else. If you work in the whiskey or spirits industry or just have a deep passion for whiskey and want to share your spirits journey, register to be a guest through our website. Last but not least, please enjoy your spirits responsibly. Thanks for joining me. Until next time, Salangeva. Barrel Room Chronicles is a production of First Real Entertainment and is distributed by Spotify for Podcasters and is available on Spotify, Apple, Google, iHeartRadio, YouTube, Amazon, and wherever you enjoy your favorite podcasts.